MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, November 1st, 2021. Today, more trouble for the Durham indictment of Michael Sussman. The Department of Justice backs Biden's refusal of Trump's executive privilege claims in the National Archives case. The January 6th committee has begun drafting legislation in response to the insurrection. Coup architect John Eastman sent a letter to Pence's top aide blaming Pence for the attack on the Capitol. The House will vote on both infrastructure plans this Tuesday. And the National Archives has revealed what Trump is trying to hide from Congress. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, friend. I haven't seen you in a week. Hey, hey, hey. Hello to the Beans family. Hello, my dear friend, Allison Gill. We both had some adventures. We did. We invented. I did. It was fun. It was amazing. You did cookies. You did cookies. You had drinks and cookies with the Mary Trump. Yeah. Well, Marissa Rothkopf, who does the Secret Life of Cookies podcast, she actually made the cookies ahead of time and brought them over. And then we just had cocktails. That's so. amazing. Yep. And yeah. I was, I got to perform again. Uh, it was my fourth live show of 2021 and it felt incredible. So it was nice to get back up on stage, bring some joy to some people, upset a couple of Trump supporters and made uh, made my night, made my night. Did they walk out? Did you walk oh, the Trump? Support? I couldn't see. Uh, I think a couple of guests walked, which is, you know, I was looking at the Facebook page after the trip and one of them called the mask their face diaper. So I can only assume it was those two people <laughs> that walked out of the show. <laughs> must must have been. Uh, and also gross. Yeah. So we have a very big show today. We had a lot of news that happened. I'm not going to try to catch everybody up on the last week's news, but this last weekend's news was really big. And I'm going to talk to Frank Fogluzzi. He's, you know, friend of ours, host of the Bureau podcast, former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence. And we're going to talk about potential exculpatory evidence that Durham may have failed to disclose in his investigation into the investigation of Trump Russia. So fantastic. Yeah, very important. And and Frank and I actually talk about why we never heard about the conclusion, possibly why we never heard about the conclusion of that investigation into the Alpha Bank server communicating with Trump Tower Mm -hmm. and Spectrum Health. So very interesting things. Thanks to all of our patrons. I had a wonderful time in D.C. and Boston and New York hanging out with all of you. Thank you for all the gifts. David from Brooklyn brought me uh, FBI cufflinks, the kind that Andrew McCabe is waiting for. And it, it was just a really wonderful experience all around. And I have to, I just have to say thank you again to all of our patrons. You really are the most amazing people. Incredible. I didn't know there was gifts. I'm not missing another one. Yeah. No, you got to come <laughs> next time. We got to make sure that you're not like out in the Caribbean or whatever. Oh my God. We got to do some West Coast dates. All right. We got lots going on today though. We really do. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. As we all know, President Biden has roundly rejected the former guy's invocation of executive privilege to block the National Archives from handing over about 700 documents relevant to his communications and activity during the insurrection. From Caitlin Polance at CNN, she says specifics about the former guy's efforts to keep secret the support from his White House for overturning his loss in 2020 were revealed in a late night court filing, a couple of late night court filings that detailed more than 700 pages of handwritten notes, draft documents and daily logs Trump's top advisors kept related to January 6th. They, they, they hang on. They hung on to him. The National Archives outlined for the first time in a sworn declaration what Trump wants to keep secret. And the U.S. House has told a federal court that Trump has no right to keep confidential these 700 documents, citing a committee's need to reconstruct Trump's efforts to undermine the 2020 election and his actions on January 6th. The court filings are in response to a lawsuit Trump filed nearly two weeks ago in which he's attempting to block congressional investigators from accessing hundreds of pages of records that they requested from the National Archives, which inherited Trump's presidential papers. The House presents itself as in agreement with the Biden administration, which is an unusual show of interbranch alignment to oppose Trump. The records Trump wants to keep secret include handwritten memos from his chief of staff about January 6th, call logs from Trump and Pence, and White House visitor records. Additional court records revealed this early Saturday morning. Saturday. Trump is trying to keep a secret from the House, like all these 700 pages from the files of his closest advisors, 
up to and on January 6th. And that's according to the sworn declaration. John from John Laster, who's the National Archives lawyer, who also the Biden administration submitted to the D.C. District Court on Saturday. Those records include working papers from Mark Meadows, the press secretary and White House lawyer who had notes and memos about Trump's efforts to undermine the election. In the Meadows documents alone, Dana, there are three handwritten notes about the events of January 6th and two pages listing briefings and telephone calls about the electoral college certification. If, if Trump, Trump's probably just doodling on him. There's a bunch of stick figures, a couple mushrooms. They're like, a what penis. the hell is this? A penis, which is his yeah. mushroom. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also uh, wanting to keep secret 30 pages of his daily schedule, White House visitor logs and call records, the call logs, schedulers and switchboard checklist document calls to the president and vice president, all specifically for encompassing January 6th. So yikes. And in its own court filing overnight, the National Archives filed along with the House because that that whole thing came from the House. Doug letter. National Archives backed the House's request for access, arguing the attack on the Capitol is worthy of waiving executive privilege. The archive said it plans to begin releasing the disputed documents to the House beginning November 12th unless a court stops them. So what's gotten little to no mention, though, is that the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland's Department of Justice, also made a filing representing the National Archives in court and a 51 it's in a 51 page filing. And it's from the acting assistant attorney general named Brian Boynton. And the DOJ is arguing in opposition to Trump's motion for an injunction. So if you hear anyone on social media claiming Garland is backing Trump or covering for Trump, this is definitive evidence that he is not. Absolutely. We're going to stick with the insurrection for this next story. So as Vice President Mike Pence hid, as we saw from a really a marauding mob during, if you will, a mob during the January 6th invasion of the Capitol, an attorney, I find the story mind blowing, an attorney for president at the time, the former guy. He emailed. So Trump's attorney emailed a top Pence aide to say that Pence had caused the violence by refusing to block the certification of Trump's election loss. Now, obviously, just the fact that this email exists goes against their whole thing of like, they were just uh, upset tourists. It wasn't an insurrection. It wasn't. It was just, uh, you know, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Mm. So the attorney at the time, his name is John Eastman. He also continued to press for Pence to act, even after Trump supporters had trampled through the Capitol and attacked the Pence aide, Greg Jacob, had described as a siege in their email exchange. This is an email exchange. This is a quote. The siege is because of you and your boss did not do what was necessary to allow this to be aired in a public way so that the American people can see for themselves what happened. That's what Eastman wrote to Jacob referring to Trump's claims of voter fraud. Remember, Eastman's the sketchy fucker. And Jacob's the guy that was like, you're a sketchy fucker. So Eastman sent the email as Pence at the time, who had been presiding in the Senate, was under guard with Jacob and other advisors in a secure area. Writers were tearing through the Capitol complex, and some of them called, as we saw, for Pence's execution. They said, let's hang Mike Pence, very loud and clear, with literally what a noose. They'd set up a noose. Jacob, who's Pence's chief counsel, included Eastman's email remarks in a draft opinion article about Trump's outside legal team that he wrote later in January, but ultimately chose not to publish, which is interesting. Now, the Washington Post obtained a copy of that draft. So it shows that Eastman's efforts to persuade Pence to block Trump's defeat were more extensive than has been reported previously. Shocking. Now, a bipartisan group of former government officials and legal figures, they included That group included two former federal judges. They have all asked the California Bar Association to investigate Eastman's conduct, as it should be, because he was trying to throw fuel on this very, very hot fire already. Yeah. And he's the guy who wrote this, you know, the six step memo on how to overthrow the government by, you know, by saying you just have Mike Pence throw out the electors from these seven states, the seven states that Jeffrey Clark was writing to, saying that their shit was corrupt and they needed to appoint an alternate slate of electors to vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. So, yeah. And so and Eastman's been like, no, 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 I was just kidding. You know, no, nah, I was. Yeah. It's just uh, it's emails. Advice. It was it was emails between friends. But um, this is does not bode well for Eastman. No, it does not. <laughs> and in a critically important story that no one seems to be talking about. The select committee, January 6th committee, is moving toward establishing a legislative purpose. You may remember back on October 23rd, I wrote a thread, a tweet thread that ended up going viral based on reporting from Hugo Lowell. He's a congressional reporter at The Guardian. He was on the show. 
And he was telling us, you heard him in the interview, that the Department of Justice actually might be hesitating to indict Steve Bannon for criminal contempt of Congress until they get a court ruling affirming Bannon's testimony to the select committee has a legitimate legislative purpose. Now, we know it does. So I'm not saying it doesn't. Right. We know it does. But a court has not ruled that it does. And even if the court rules this Thursday that Trump's attempt to enjoin the release of the National Archive shit is, you know, which he says has it's based on a lack of legislative purpose. Even if that happens, that doesn't necessarily mean that Bannon's testimony also has a legislative purpose. And it sucks that we might have to wait for a court ruling on legislative purpose specific to Bannon. But the Department of Justice, if they indict him without that ruling, a judge may order them to just go back and get one from either Congress or the courts before they proceed with the case, the indictment into Bannon, just further delaying it. Meaning Bannon's attorney could say to the court, hey, Congress has no reason to depose Bannon and we want to block this indictment until a legislative purpose is confirmed. It's extreme T-crossing, but something that was seeming to give the Department of Justice a pause nonetheless. And yes, that's angering, but that is what we were hearing from the within the Department of Justice. Well, as if prompted, the select committee has begun working on a legislative purpose (laughs) (laughs) just this weekend, giving more specific instructions for when Congress can overturn a state's slate of electors and the legislation would more clearly define the role of the vice president in the electoral certification process. Now, CNN did point out that this legislation development would undercut one of Trump's arguments in the National Archives suit. And remember, we talked about this, Dana. Trump's lawsuit was less about executive privilege and more about the fact that the select committee doesn't have a legislative purpose. Right. Yeah. And the fact that the committee is now actively drafting legislation kind of kills that argument. Absolutely. But what CNN and frankly, every fucking one is failing to mention (laughs) is that the move would also kill any argument Bannon's lawyers would have. You'll note that in the Department of Justice's filing this weekend, defending the National Archives against Trump's executive privilege, Brian Boynton specifically mentions Bannon and Bannon's efforts and Bannon as related to trying to stop the count of the electoral vote. Mm -hmm. So by putting electoral vote problems with Bannon in the Trump National Archives case, a decision in the Trump National Archives case provides cover for the legislative purpose of Bannon. They know what they're doing. So the combination of the DOJ filing that Trump case, citing Bannon's role, and the committee taking steps to draft legislation about the electoral count, it's clear to me that the Department of Justice is setting up the guardrails to indict Bannon. I would love to see it. So put some beans on it. Yeah, beans. We're putting beans. I'm putting beans on it. I don't think I don't know that it'll be this week. They might wait until they get a ruling in the Trump case because there's cover for legislative purpose for Bannon and testimony from Eastman in that filing and all of the Trump allies, as a matter of fact in that filing. So this one and done might cover legislative purpose for all future subpoenas. Let's set some precedent. I would love to see it. Let's set some precedent. And the hearing is Thursday. Okay. And in my best game show host voice, it's infrastructure week. (laughs) House Democratic leaders are pushing for votes on both the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill and the larger $1.75 trillion economic plan as soon as Tuesday. Now, that's according to three sources familiar with the matter. A new version of the bigger bill with revisions might be introduced as soon as Sunday, and the Rules Committee could take up the rule as soon as Monday. Then both bills could be on the floor as soon as Tuesday. Now, the schedule hasn't been finalized. It looks like House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn said Saturday the House is set to vote on both economic bills Tuesday while he was campaigning for Terry McAuliffe, thank goodness, in Virginia. Clyburn urged Virginians to elect McAuliffe and other Democrats in the state to help implement those proposals. It's very important. Once it passes the House, the infrastructure bill would go to Biden's desk for his signature, while the economic bill would go to the Senate for a vote. To buy themselves time, Congress passed a second temporary extension of the Highway Trust Fund, ensuring that 3,700 federal employees will not be furloughed, which is wonderful. It was set to expire on October 31st, and that has been extended until December 3rd. Now, of course, all eyes are on December 3rd. That's the same day that the government funding runs out. And when Treasury warns, the debt ceiling will be hit. So we've got some dates coming up that are very important. So we're going to stay with those and see what happens. Yep. And that debt ceiling is going to be addressed, I'm assuming, in the budget reconciliation bill. So if the House passes the bipartisan infrastructure bill, 
it'll go to Biden's desk. If they pass the, the uh, $1.75 trillion human infrastructure bill, then it goes to the Senate. And if it's the Senate passes it, it'll go to, to Biden's desk. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll see. And we'll see if the sausage got made. Next up, Frank Fogluzzi will be here and he and I will discuss the latest in the Alpha Bank Trump Tower Back Channel scandal and how Durham may have just put the last nail in the coffin of his embarrassing investigation. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Beans, and I am super excited about our latest sponsor because, you know, we are very sex positive on this show. Are you getting enough? I'd bet you love more, right? Well, our sponsor today, our new sponsor, adamandeve.com, wants to give you more with 50% off just about any item, plus free shipping on your entire order. That's amazing. You know, for more than 50 years, Adam and Eve has built a reputation as a trusted and reliable adult toy store that takes pleasure and privacy seriously. When you want to shop erotic toys, Adam and Eve has it all. Men and women, straight or gay, anywhere in between, Adam and Eve has everything you're looking for for an amazing variety of erotic products. So what do you have to do to get our 50% off one time and free shipping deal? It's not hard. Just go to adamandeve.com, select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, maybe some something to wear. And you just enter offer code DAILYBEANS, all one word at checkout. That's it. And you'll get 50% off almost any item. Go check out adamandeve.com today. Select one item and you'll get 50% off, including free shipping when you enter the offer code DAILYBEANS. That's D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S at adamandeve.com. And today's show is also brought to you by Hunter Douglas. They are designers of innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, and control systems that are so advanced they can be programmed to automatically adjust throughout the day. You know, I just did a remodel, and I absolutely love the lighting and the mood that Hunter Douglas creates. Now, it could be the way the shades diffuse the harsh sunlight to cast the glow across the room or being able to enjoy the view outside, but nobody can see inside. I like that privacy. Or maybe it's the superior insulation the shades provide. They keep you warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer, which lowers your utility bills, which helps like stop strain on our electrical grid. Or it's simply that that Goldilocks moment when you walk into the room and everything looks and feels right. With Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology, you can set the shades to adjust automatically to achieve the perfect blend of light, privacy, and insulation morning, noon, and night. Check out their website for all of their custom window blinds, shades, shutters, and drapery options. You'll love discovering how Hunter Douglas window treatments transform the light in your home, elevating everyday life and defining the mood in every room. So live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. Visit HunterDouglas.com slash DailyBeans today to take advantage of the Season of Style Rebate Savings event. That's HunterDouglas.com slash DailyBeans for a limited time savings. Offer expires December 6, 2021. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I am joined by former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, author of the book, The FBI Way, which you need to get if you haven't gotten it yet. It's really amazing. And also host of the Bureau podcast. Welcome, Frank Faglusi. Hi, Frank. Hey, AG. Uh, thanks for having me once again. Yeah, thanks for being here. And I I really wanted to speak to you today because of some news that came out on Friday on Rachel Maddow's show. And I haven't seen it anywhere in print, but there was apparently a letter that she was able to review. And this goes this is attached to that Sussman indictment by the special counsel appointed by Bill Barr named John Durham. And he was tasked to look into the oranges of the Russia investigation, if you'll remember. And this 27-page sprawling speaking indictment was for one count of lying materially, so to you know, according to him, to the inspector general, not even to the FBI. And so, so basically, we can talk about materiality all day, but the, the crux of the letter that Rachel reviewed was a letter written by Tech Executive One's lawyer. And Tech Executive One is mentioned in the indictment as having worked with Sussman and provided him with data that he eventually handed over to the FBI. And in this 27 page indictment that is completely unnecessary, <laughs> first of all, they don't even tell him what exact crime he's committed, whether it's 1001A or 1001B, omitting information or lying. And then they don't even give the statement to which it was a lie. There were only two people present. Both have testified that that's not what happened. The indictment is paper thin on its merits already. And so now we've got this letter saying that in this indictment, the speaking indictment, Durham says, you know, they were trying to create a narrative and he pulled out some email communications between researchers looking at the communications between Alpha Bank and Trump Tower and Spectrum Health and was alleging in the indictment that these were concocted 
data to sort of go after Trump. They were, you know, politically biased in in their in their work product. And he used excerpts from emails between these researchers to show it like, I don't think we've got what you say we've got, et cetera. From this indictment, you know, because I went back and looked at the indictment, you know, Durham says efforts with Sussman and campaign lawyer one to disseminate allegations regarding Trump tech executive one used his access at multiple organizations to mine public and non-public data regarding Trump and his associates with the goal of creating a, quote, narrative regarding the candidate's ties to Russia. It also says in connection with this tasking as an alleged Further detail below, Tech Executive One's goal was to support an inference and a narrative regarding Trump that would please certain VIPs. Now, despite all that, it seems like he was cherry picking these emails because other emails are quoted. So from that letter from Tech Executive's lawyer to Garland and Durham, it says, quote, the researchers ultimately concluded that the data did, in fact, support the conclusion that there was a covert communications channel between Alpha, the Trump organization and Spectrum Health. And here she quotes Rachel quotes emails. These emails were left out of the indictment. Quote, if the white paper intends to say there are communications between at least Alpha and Trump, which are being intentionally hidden by Alpha and Trump, I absolutely believe that is the case. And another email Uh, Frank says, quote, facts. It's clear there's hidden communications between Trump and Alpha Bank. Likewise, traffic with Spectrum. These communications show a good faith belief that, one, there was a covert communications channel between Alpha and Trump and Spectrum. And two, the existence of such a channel was predication for and relevant to an investigation of potential criminal law violations. So on its face, Frank, what does that mean when you have like exculpatory information like that? And you don't include it in the indictment. You only include the things in the indictment to support your narrative. All right. So complex set of facts. Let's try to break this down as simply as possible. Before I do that, just because of full disclosure and transparency, although I think it's neither here nor there, let me let me just say that I worked directly for John Durham eons ago before I became an FBI agent. I was his intern when I was in law school uh, for a period of time, and he was the head of the organized stunt crime strike force in New Haven, Connecticut. He was working the Italian mob in Connecticut. Um, I, I want to tell you, he's a decent, bright, dedicated public servant. He treated me very well. He had me in a surprise move after I had spent my internship writing briefs in the law library, told me, that it was my turn to argue a brief against La Cosa Nostra in federal court. Um, And I did that and I won my brief with John sitting next to him. So there's that. He's a solid reputation guy. All right. That's, I say that to say that I'm even more surprised because of his reputation to hear this. John Durham is a guy who, has a reputation for erring on the side of ethics and integrity always to avoid even the appearance of impropriety. So here's the deal. The rules state, and this comes out of a case called Brady, and you'll hear lawyers constantly prefer to refer to Brady material, that anything that might serve to exculpate or counter your argument, any exculpatory, potentially exculpatory information has to be turned over and disclosed, and particularly has to be turned over to the defense. Um, now, what are, where's, why does that play in here? It seems on its face from this one report that Durham has discounted or may have discounted exculpatory information, namely the possibility that, oh my, there was a Russian channel of communication, electronic, I want to make sure we understand what's going on here, and I'll talk about that in a second, between Alpha Bank servers or surrogates of Alpha Bank servers and this Trump address or domain name server. And it gets really suspicious because while one strong theory is that, hey, this does happen, people get, you know, on any given time, any of our laptops at home Sadly, could have uh, could have had malware introduced that is now communicating with some place around the world. Wouldn't be surprised if you and I have such an issue going on. Okay, all, all it's all about your malware detection and ability to defeat that. However, really weird things happened throughout the course of this investigation, including 
Um, the Trump do, uh, domain name changing, the Al- Alpha, Bi- Alpha Bank mysteriously knowing that and then hitting the new domain name. So, you know, the accidental theory, while very strong, happens all the time, looks less likely and looks more like there's some deliberate electronic hookup going on here between what is the largest private bank in Russia and arguably one of the top two to 300 banks in the world, Alpha Bank. And if you know anything about Russia and banking, you know, hey, um, (laughs) this isn't your corner savings and loan. This is tied directly to Putin and the administration for their very existence. Now, I want to tell you from my counterintelligence background, and this is where I get also upset with Durham for not disclosing this. In my counterintelligence life, I absolutely have seen such electronic linkages for the purpose of nefarious conduct. Now, what could that mean? It could be one-sided. It could be that the Russians or the Chinese, who are masters at this, by the way, um, simply found, found you, have found a way into you, and have found a way to monitor communications and or communicate to you. Or it could be two-way. You are witting and able, and you're like, yep, I know we're linked up electronically, so if I need to pass you anything, or if I want to passively let you look around my server, you knock yourself out as long as I have plausible deniability. So the one way or the two way could could be happening. What's the problem here? Durham seems to have had knowledge that these theories, these more nefarious theories could be true, and he seems not to have cared. Now, maybe he's discounted them. Maybe he worked it out. Maybe the investigators thought it was all BS, but it sure doesn't look that way. And it sure doesn't look like he's disclosing it. Yeah. And and regardless, it does establish, I think, a reasonable criminal predication to at least look into it, regardless of how those data were were captured and, and who Sussman was working for, because that's the materiality of the lie according to Durham, is that he told Jim Baker that he wasn't working on behalf of any client when, in fact, he was. But FBI knew that. It's been testified to in Congress. And also Durham's sort of argument is, well, had they known you were working for Clinton, the FBI might have done some things differently. And that is just non-conclusory to me. Yeah, I mean, look, we, I, like you said, we could talk about materiality forever, and I think you probably have had shows doing that. But I'm here to tell you, this isn't material. I mean, it's kind of like going to the FBI and saying, the bank on Maple Street is being robbed today. And they ask you, who do you work for? And you say, I work for the bank. And they go, oh, you've got some self-interest in this. Get out of our office, right? That, that's nonsense. If, you, if you've got evidence that there's potential Russian communication with Trump. I, I don't know if I care who you work for. I may, I may be extra careful about your motive and intentions and as I go about investigating this, but this is not material. If, if we're interviewing each other, I, I ask you, what, what did you have for lunch on the way to robbing a bank? I had a ham sandwich. Well, you really had a peanut butter sandwich. I'm arresting you for lying to the FBI. That's not material. So, so again, I'm surprised at Durham. And if this is all he ever comes up with, and this is how he, his legacy, his strong legacy ends, not with a bang, but a whimper, a, a shame on him. I'm going to make a prediction here, AG. I don't think this case is, is going to go anywhere. No, I'm with you on that. And I have some questions about that and a, and a technical FBI question that I think you can answer. But I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Sure. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG for the Beans. And today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. They provide professional online therapy whenever and wherever you need it most. Everyone needs a little help from time to time. And BetterHelp counselors are always there to provide support and guidance, no matter what you're going through, especially over the holidays. It can get kind of lonely. You know, my experience with PTSD and anxiety has taught me it's better to seek help rather than to try to do it by myself. And it's hard for me to ask for help, but BetterHelp makes it easy and convenient. You can message your counselor at any time from anywhere in the world. You get timely responses, and you can schedule weekly meetings by phone or video. It's more affordable than offline counseling, super convenient, financial aids available, and you can change your counselor free and easily. But, you know, that's therapeutic match is so important, and they make it so simple. So visit BetterHelp's website and read testimonials like this one by user CH, who says, I feel extremely heard and supported by my therapist. I leave our sessions with so much more hope for myself and my work and my life. I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. 
So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You can join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. We have a special offer for Daily Beans listeners. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. And today's show is also brought to you by Upstart. With a credit balance hanging over your head month after month with high interest rates, it can seem like you're in a never-ending cycle of debt without any relief in sight. Because you are. You just throw that minimum payment at it and the principal doesn't budge. But you can make that final payment using Upstart to take control of your debt. It's easy to pay off your debt with an online personal loan with Upstart because over a million people have used Upstart to consolidate high-interest debts and pay off credit cards and even fund personal expenses with one fixed monthly payment. Upstart looks beyond your credit score. They, you are more than a number to them. And they help find a better loan rate by considering other factors like your income, employment history, credit history. And you can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after acceptance of your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Please use our URL to let them know we sent you. It's free to check. It doesn't hit your credit. It's a soft pull. Just head right now to upstart.com slash dailybeans and see if you can get a better rate. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and other certain information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking with the author of The FBI Way and host of the podcast, The Bureau, Frank Figlusi. Frank We haven't seen this letter, right? This letter that Maddo reviewed, the letter that Tyrell, who is Tech Executive One's lawyer, the letter he wrote to Durham and Garland, which is good that he copied Garland on this. But if what they're saying is true, if there are exculpatory emails here, and I know that this is speculation, what does that mean for this indictment? Is it going, is there, because I remember the bill of particulars that Sussman's lawyer sent to to Durham saying, you didn't say what crime it was. You didn't say what was said. It's not material. But none of this, withstanding any other pretrial motions, my client might file. And it could could they now file a motion saying based on this evidence that was not presented to the defense or, in, you know, even if it wasn't in the indictment, it was, you know, maybe it didn't go to the defense. Could they ask you know, uh, file a motion to dismiss based yeah. on those grounds alone. Yeah, I, I would be I'd be at that judge in a heartbeat saying a couple of things. First, I, I move I, I move for full disclosure um, and an explanation of why this wasn't turned over to me or to you, judge. Uh, and then if I don't like the answer, I move to dismiss. And I and I think I think I win that motion. I also think, again, we've got an, an attorney general who seems to be just walking on eggshells with regard to political optics. But I think there's another thing that could happen here, which is, um, and I think, I think A.G. Garner will let that, what we described, play out in court. I think he'll let that do, let, let Durham kind of hang himself, right? But I think at that point, then what we need A.G. Garland to do is go, all right, I've about had enough of special, and whatever the hell we're calling Durham, right? We're, we're, we're done. And you can go back to running the U.S. Attorney's Office in Connecticut. Or actually, no, you can't, because, by the way, Biden, I think, uh, isn't going to keep you around anymore. But, yeah, I, I think we need to see the last of, of Durham. Yeah, and I was wondering that, too. Garland strikes me as the kind of guy to not remove him because he doesn't want to have any tiny inkling of an appearance of potential politicization. So he might just be like, go ahead and go to court with this, pal. But I think that that could also look bad for this Justice Department to allow this kind of shit to go on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is this this Durham thing should never have happened in the first place. He's not getting anywhere with it. And and it's a sad state of affairs that that a career public servant may end his legacy looking like this. But look, a couple of things, takeaways for the public. This makes the Durham case look even worse, makes Durham look pretty bad. But from a counterintelligence perspective, which is where I always come back from, Let's understand, this isn't some Tom Clancy novel that's being described here. This happens in real life. The, the computers talk to each other, servers talk to each other nefariously, clandestinely, and either one party knew it was happening or both parties knew it was happening. Either way, not good. Either way, should have been disclosed. And that's my technical question, and it is an FBI counterintelligence question. So this is specifically for you, sir. Once that data were turned over, it's Jim Baker. He was a general counsel for the FBI, you know, a career professional, sort of one of the Comey five, one of the guys that Comey gave his contemporaneous notes about the, you know, the weird dinner <laughs> to. Right, right. 
and then was, you know, sort of surreptitiously ushered into other departments, but ended up keeping his job. Why didn't we know about this? Because the, the conclusions for the public are very murky. And I was wondering if this was a counterintelligence situation. Those are the things that the public generally doesn't learn about because you don't make arrests based on counterintelligence stuff. You just make an assessment of the threat and how moderate or severe or whatever it is. And usually we don't find out about it. And I'm kind of wondering if that's why we didn't find out about it, if that's potentially why we didn't find out about it. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Uh, here's here's what we know, if it's accurate. General Counsel uh, Baker from the FBI you know, this doesn't happen every day, right? But people walk into Baker's office and from the outside of the building, right? I want to speak to the general counsel. How did this happen? They knew each other. The the, the Sussman knew Baker from past life. And at that nosebleed level, that's how things work, right? You don't call the switchboard at the FBI. You, you call your friend, the general counsel, the FBI. But Baker knew immediately that what he was being told was really important. And so he immediately called in the assistant director of counterintelligence guy, guy who worked for me and then replaced me, Bill Priestap. Mm. And, and poor Bill Priestap had to sit there and take notes from Baker's notes from Baker's interview with Sussman, right? Which is never, you know, that's not one of your favorite days to do that. And, and so, yeah, who did Baker call? The head of counterintelligence at the FBI. So, yes, this went into a counterintelligence file. Well, then that I guess that sort of stands to reason why the findings of this thread of the investigation never showed up anywhere. And for Durham to say, you know, the FBI concluded it was nothing seems weird to me because we didn't really see that. And and would he have access to a counterintelligence conclusion? Uh, would would Durham have that access? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he seems to have access to everything. Right. Because if you remember our good friend Bill Barr uh, at Trump's instructions, uh, declassified everything that was necessary for Durham to do his job. So, yeah, yeah, sure. But I want to point out something. I, I read it in a couple of places that that Priestap's notes do not reflect this uh, kind of certainty about Sussman, uh, uh, what Sussman said about who whose clients he was representing and and you know that constitutes a lie that it was very gray like yeah i represent these this person and that person but you know it's going to my point is if this actually goes to trial on lying to the fbi you're going to see baker and Priestep go that, that's not what i understood this guy was all over the place about his clients i don't think he was hiding anything about his clients so yeah yeah that and whether or not he was working for Perkins Coie or Clinton or the DNC right. wouldn't have had any impact on how we investigated or analyzed those data. Well, and then last last note, because I always think about the future of law enforcement and intelligence and, and the destruction that, that Trump has done uh, to it is, look, this this whole thing makes it so much harder to develop sources, to to encourage people to walk in with important information uh, about a threat to anything, particularly cyber, if everybody looks at this and goes, wait a minute, I can get charged for lying to the FBI for just sharing in good faith some threat that I see because maybe I didn't tell them everybody I've ever worked for in my life? Are, are you kidding me? The chilling effect of that is ugly and Durham should know better. Yeah. And, and I mean, we've seen it all throughout, like you said, all throughout Trump's reign yeah. over there. I mean, it, it the chilling effect on uh, with Christopher Steele and and what he went through to get that information via, by the way, John McCain <laughs> to the FBI. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you're going to get charged. You're going to get fired, whether you're Andy McCabe or, or Jim Comey. You know, if you come forward, you get your head chopped off. Yeah. yeah, that's very, very bad for our sources and methods. I agree. Thank you so much. What's coming up next on the Bureau? Oh, we've got uh, Tuesday. We are releasing information about a role that exists at the FBI that I'll bet you never knew existed. The FBI has an official historian, full-time historian, Dr. John Fox. And you might say, boy, that sounds boring. I'm not into history. Well, let me tell you something. The FBI's history is not boring. And why do, why do they have a historian? I call this episode Sins of the Past. What you don't remember from your past, you're condemned to repeat. And the FBI historian gets into in front of classes at, at Quantico and says, the FBI did this, 
And we shouldn't be doing it again. We'll talk about Martin Luther King. We'll talk about the Black Panthers. We'll talk about J. Edgar Hoover and COINTELPRO. And what's really neat is the historian's also going to tell us how to find and seek your file at the FBI or just some really cool file that you've always been interested in. He'll tell you how to get it. I'm really interested in my file, Frank. So let's talk offline. <laughs> listen, listen Tuesday. <laughs> Thank you right. so much. Uh, and everybody pick up the FBI way. Check out the Bureau this Tuesday. It's going to be an awesome episode. I appreciate your time. Take care. Bye. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Everybody, it's AG and this Helping of the Beans is brought to you by Cometeer, the most delicious coffee brewed better through science. Cometeer is frozen, pre-brewed coffee in pocket-sized recyclable capsules that you melt to make. No equipment needed. With Cometeer, you're always just a minute away from barista-quality coffee and lattes. You know, I used to drink coffee with cream and sugar all the time, but Cometeer is so balanced and smooth, I can have it black. Cometeer is so simple to make, they've discovered a new way to make coffee. It's awesome. After the brewing process, the coffee is flash-frozen, locks in all the aromas and freshness, and then you just melt it. Add the frozen coffee to a cup of hot water, and for an iced coffee, just pour the melted coffee into water with ice. It's, yeah, iced coffee in 10 seconds flat, and lattes are just as easy. Cometeer arrives each month to my home and features the best regional specialty roasters with enough capsules for 32 cups. It's the kind of delicious variety I've always wanted. And we have a special offer just for you. For a limited time, you can get $20 off your first order, 10 free cups, and shipping is always free. But only when you visit cometeer.com slash beans20. That's cometeer, C-O-M-E-T-E-E-R. And that's cometeer.com slash beans20. Now, I was skeptical at first. I mean, it's brewed coffee you melt to make. But it is truly one of the best, if not the best tasting cups of coffee I've ever had. If you like coffee at all, this taste, it, you, it's taste to believe. You have to taste it to believe it. It's like, Elf, congratulations, you did it. It's the best cup of coffee in the world. <laughs> this is for real, though. That's cometeer.com slash beans20 to save $20 on your first order. A new day has arrived on Earth for coffee. That's cometeer.com slash beans20. And today's show is also brought to you by Scribd. We all know much how streaming has revolutionized our lives. I used to wonder if there was anything good on TV, and now we just ask ourselves which of the thousands of options we're in the mood for. The same thing goes for books. Instead of standing in front of your bookshelf, you know, waiting for a title to jump out at you, sign up for Scribd. You get instant access to millions of ebooks, audiobooks, magazines, and more. And with one low monthly subscription. I love using Scribd. It's the world's most fascinating library at your fingertips. And just for like, it's $9.99 a month. That's it. It's $9.99 a month. And for that, I can explore all my interests in any format with millions of ebooks, audiobooks, dissertations, studies, published studies. They have court documents, magazines. All, it's all there. $9.99 a month. You get instant access to Scribd's entire library for less than the cost of a single book. No complicated credits that could expire. There's no additional purchases required. And with Scribd, you can access the largest digital library in the world right from your favorite device. And their automated suggestions and hand-curated picks make choosing your next book easier than ever. So you're not like scrolling through Netflix for years trying to figure out what to watch. They curate those picks for you. You can easily switch between titles, genres, and formats right on the app. And you discover must-read new work from celebrated authors like Roxane Gay or Charles Yu and more. They are premiering, by the way, exclusively on Scribd. And right now, Scribd is offering our listeners a free 60-day trial. Go to try.scribd.com slash dailybeans for your free trial. That's try.scribd, S-C-R-I-B-D, dot com slash dailybeans to get 60 days of Scribd for free. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. That was fun. Everybody, welcome back. I've never done it that, that before. Everybody, welcome back. We're very game showy today. We're very game show hosty today. <laughs> Come on down. Um, yeah, we do have a lot of good news and confessions and corrections. And everybody, if you have any good news you want to send in or, you know, anything, really anything, I really would love to see some Halloween pet pictures. Oh, my um, God. That would make from, me really happy. From yesterday. So send those in and Halloween kid pictures and Halloween grown up pictures, whatever. All Halloween. I don't know if you all saw my Halloween picture. It was terrifyingly amazing, yep. but I yep. make a pretty creepy dude, a handsome creepy dude, apparently to most people. And it confuses some lesbians as everyone's on the Kinsey scale. But <laughs> apparently it was really fun. I, I had a good time. That's amazing. All right. So let's start this here with a correction from Meryl, pronoun she and her. Correction, love the podcast with virtual love and support and all the virtual love and support you share. It's a common mistake to call a slash a backslash when speaking about a website. 
e.g. Astronautica Info on 1021. By the way, Astronautica's music is fabulous. As a singer in Austin, Texas, an enthusiastic observer of the sky, I found Astronautica so soulful, ethereal, and gorgeous. I wish I was in New York City. Thank you. That's Meryl. And she said, so yeah, when you're reading a a website, um, that was me. Yep. Yep. It was. It was. Hey, look, I don't easy tiger. (laughs) (laughs) It's Monday. We just got back. That's one. Meryl did it very nicely. She was very nice. (laughs) I apologize for being. (laughs) (laughs) I I do it. I'm actually glad I know because I do it a lot. I do it all the time, actually. So, okay. Oh, good. I was just being defensive. (laughs) We, We just made up. Did you guys see that? Look how good we've gotten. Okay. And this is from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Hey, Beans Queens, my name is Ellie, and I love your podcast. I recently discovered it, and it's so refreshing to have the news without the accompanying depression. For my good news, I passed the bar exam. What? My state had to take it remotely, thanks to COVID. So I'm extremely relieved to know that I'll never have to do that again. I've attached a few pictures of my family's dog, old dog, of my family's old dog, Luke, for my pet tax. He passed early in 2016, but I plan to rescue another giant fuzz monster soon. And look at that baby. There is definitely chow in here. Oh, that second picture. Oh, my God. I mean, they're both adorable, but how would a happy dog? And maybe there's not chow. I said that like very confidently, but I think there's like, it could be like Australian shepherd chow. No. Yeah. It's just adorable. It is really gorgeous. Aww. It's like a Muppet. Yeah. Luke was very handsome. Yes. Definitely good boy. Lovely. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Anonymous. Yes, thank you. Next up from Jay, pronoun she and her. Greetings, ladies of the Leguminati. Jay here with oodles of gratitude for your tireless coverage sprinkled with jokes and swears. I would not have made it through the orange years without you. Anyway, here's a shit kids say. When my oldest daughter was much smaller, she caught a glimpse of her dad peeing. She gasped and said, Daddy's got a hanging giny. <laughs> <laughs> It's the best, most femme-centered name for the male genitalia I've ever heard. I still refer to it as such with a giggle. Oh, my God. That's Thank funny. you for all you do to make the world a better and smarter place. Attached is my pet tax. I'm glad it's your pet tax that's attached, Jay. Thank you. And to find the cat. Sammy is so sweet and she loves to blend in. Air hugs to you and yours. Keep up the good fight. All right. Let's see. Oh, my goodness. Found her. You did already? Yeah. This one's in your eyes are going to have to adjust. Let me know if you want a clue. Oh, there! Oh, there she is, right out right the top open. of the backpack, right out yep. in the open. Oh, that's but a good one. She's black. The backpack's black. Yeah, that's a good one. I just want my little black backpack back. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Oh my god, thank you for that. Okay, this next one's from Paul. Pronouncing him. Hi, Beans Queens. Been a patron since the beginning of 2019, and my good news is that I canceled my AT and T and Direct TV service today. It felt so good to explain to the loyalty program person about how OANN and Fox News are destroying our country and why I could no longer send them my money. To celebrate, I'm going to sponsor a membership for one of your listeners who can't swing it right now. Since I live in Austin, Texas area, I feel entitled to submit this. As blank as blank. That's as Texas as a Southern fried born again barbecued bullshit burrito. That's as blank (laughs) as blank game. That's a Texas as a Southern fried born again barbecue bullshit burrito. For pet tax, I've included Moxie, the black and white girl, and her cohorts, Cindy, the ringleader, and Cujo, the old guy. Thank you for all you do for our community. Oh my goodness. Look at these babies out in the sun. Is Roxy the doxy? Oh my goodness. Oh, Roxy has to be the doxy, right? I would, I would. If not, that is just a failure. Oh, not. Roxy is the black and white girl. Well, maybe that's maybe maybe the parents didn't want her to be teased walking around going Roxy the Doxy. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I apologize. To they got to deal with enough. All right. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Next up is from Tim. Pronouns he and him. I am from the Trump loving state of Oklahoma. Total bummer. <laughs> my good news is that in June I was able to immigrate to Canada and the difference in people makes my heart happy every day. The best part is there are a lot of Beans fans here, too. For my pet tax, I submit Leo, my big baby. Oh, oh Leo loves his daddy. Congratulations on the Canadian immigration. I love it there. Seriously. How wonderful. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome. Oh, the second shot. Who is your co-pilot? <laughs> All right. This is from Mariah, pronoun she and her. I sing so very many songs to Hammy McBacon Fat. 
who you may remember from previous comments. I do. Now, the first song he got as a puppy was to the tune of Ramalama Ding Dong, but Hamalama Ding Dong from the Animal House. There's also Hammy Time is Here to the tune of Peanuts' song Christmas Time is Here. There's a Gravy Night sung by the tune of Ladies' Night by Cool and the Gang. Because it's gravy <laughs> night. Okay. Which we sing when we, he gets to the last of the can <laughs> from his wet food and I swirl hot water in the can to make it gravy. Oh, yes, it's gravy night and you're feeling right. Oh, yes, it's gravy night. Oh, what a night. Oh, what a night. But the best is the verse of Barbie Girl by Aqua. And I rewrote it. He's a hammy man. With a hammy With plan. A hammy plan. Life's fantastic. fantastic. Chew Chew your plastic. <laughs> there are so many songs, but these are the ones we sing most often. I've included a pic of high fashion ham as pet tax. <laughs> Keep on slinging the beans, and high fashion ham has quite the bow tie. That is adorable. I oh, love the bow tie. What a and great I way love to hammy end that. McBacon fat. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Indeed. Amazing. Thank you all for the good news. And I am ready. Dana, are you ready to accept just an onslaught of Halloween pictures? I, I am. I'm going to I'm preparing myself and I'm stretching and I think it's gonna be a lot of laughter and a lot of joy. And so give it to us. Give it to us. Send it along. And um, thank you so much for donating to the patrons helping patrons. We've had so many people for 36 bucks. You can buy a full year of premium subscription to all the, the what MSW Book Club. Muller, she wrote, and the Daily Beans. You get them ad free. You get to come to the meetups. It's 36 bucks for a whole year and you can buy it and donate it to someone who can't swing it. And if you want to sign up to get a donated one year premium subscription, you can do it in the same place. Dailybeanspod.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. You'll see patrons helping patrons. Uh, let's see. Well, I think this week I'm going to be starting the new book club with Alexander Vindman's book, Here Right Matters. And so I'm excited about um, starting that. We were off for Muller, She Wrote, and the MSW Book Club yesterday, but we will be back on Sunday uh, with both of those shows, and we're, we're full bore Daily Beans now. I'm really excited to be back. It's been wonderful, and our next break isn't until the week after Christmas. And again, I'll have content for you, but we will be on vacation. So thank you so much for letting us take these breaks. I hope you take them as well. Dana, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, it's, you know, we're listening to this on November 1st. My goodness, this is, our years flying by, so... Yeah, I hope you're having a good, wonderful day. And it's nice to be back. It's nice to be back in your ears. I missed you. Yeah, 18 days until that Cy Vance Manhattan's DA Ooh. special grand jury is over. It'll be interesting to see if he drops some stuff because he's now investigating Leon Black. Dun, dun, dun. And, you know, I think there's got to be some sort of superseding indictments. I think he's, I think Calamari is helping out. They found a box of tax documents. There's more to come, but they only have like 18 days left. I, I'm wondering if he'll impanel another grand jury. He retires at the end of December, but I know that Pomerantz is there and, and New York Attorney General Tish James, who is running, I believe, governor. Yep. Governor of New York. She's also working on this, too. So there's a lot going on, but we will keep you posted and everybody until tomorrow. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.